This week on the Straight Talk and Mental Health Podcast, we are talking ADHD with Eric. First mental illness that I ever portrayed was OCD, and it was clear cut. Like, it wasn't like, oh, maybe it's like, no, I couldn't. I had to wash my hands like forever, wash and raw, open locks back and forth. I knew it wasn't logical, but the compulsion was so hard to fight that I did something I knew didn't make sense or help. And, and then it becomes like, is it, are you spending over two hours a day doing this? So, but like right away, I had a hard time like sitting at a desk for long. I always, and even right now, because I can't really move around, I'm sitting here doing this, you know, because that way my brain works a lot better. No, I, like I didn't, I had a hard time learning to read because I just didn't fucking want to. <laughs> so we'd be trying to follow along the projector screen. I couldn't fucking do it. Like, I mean, like even when I sat in the front and then you can ask someone next to you for help for, to a certain extent, but eventually you just end up getting behind and there's no possible way to recover, especially because you're fucking panicking. You're like, oh my God, this is an idiot. Very welcome to the Straight Talking Mental Health Podcast. The podcast that is so simple, it's all there in the title. Straight Talking Mental Health. That's what we do around here. That's what we do through the stories of our guests, through our experts that come on and discuss various topics. Because we're here to break the stigma around mental health. And I know everyone says that, and I know it's November, and I know it's all of that sort of stuff. But for every other month of every other year, we're here doing the hard work. My name is Alan Clark. I'm a psychotherapist with a degree in counseling and psychotherapy and a master's in child and adolescent psychotherapy. Last week, you would have noticed there was no check-in before the episode and ordinarily on this week, on the second week of the podcast, this would be a check-in episode. Um, unfortunately, some uh, unfortunate news, as some people have guessed, judging by some of the artwork and judging by some of the posts that were put up on social media about last week's episode, uh, myself and Ashing have gone our separate ways, not just on podcasts, but also in life. Um, I'd considered, should I write something? I'd considered, uh, should I prepare something for this? But I thought probably best to just kind of speak from the heart as I, as I usually do around here. It's been difficult. Uh, obviously every breakup is, it's, it's an amicable one. Both of us have recognized this just is something that we can't make work. Um, as I'm sure you've seen or heard on the podcast in many ways, many, many ways, we're very much alike, and in many, many ways, we're also very, very dissimilar. And both of those things can be a difficulty at times, the ways in which we're similar and the ways in which we're very different. Personally, I'd just like to extend my gratitude to Ashling for not just being a great partner in podcasts, but also being a great partner in life. And, and she is uh, a great partner. She was a great partner on the podcast. I'm sure her wit and... Um, her ics will certainly be will certainly be missed by many of you. So please, if you if you've got any favorite memories of you know anything Ashley might have said or done along the way on the podcast, please get in contact so we can we can read them out. When I say read them out, the format of the podcast will change. Uh, I am going to keep the podcast going. I know it means so much to so many people, and we'll get into some of that in the correspondence that's coming up uh, on episode one hundred. Peter came back, and I spoke about. The future of the podcast, you know, what that held, if there was a future for the podcast, where it went, would it be as much fun? I've never wanted to do the podcast on my own. Um, I always enjoyed the back and forth with the co-host, whether that was Peter or Michelle, who stepped in for a few for a few weeks, or my son Cameron, 
or then Ashling. That was always my favorite part, just getting to have those conversations with, with people I care about and particularly with Ashling, of someone who, lo- who I loved very dearly. And it's hard to know how that carries across. Last week was just the interview. And that will be the format moving forward. I think with when we had Fraser on, I had done the, just doing the smiles and royals with the guests beforehand, just to kind of ease into things, make it a little bit less formal. So I may may try that on future episodes. Our topic this week is ADHD. We're talking to Eric. That was recorded many weeks ago, so there was no opportunity to do a smiles and royals and that kind of thing. Um, so that will just be the interview, and this part will just be myself. I suppose just speaking openly, as as I always do on the podcast, and that has always been um, the goal of the podcast and also my goal in life to be as genuine and honest as I can, uh, you know, as someone with the experience of being a psychotherapist and also just life experience. And, you know, I've learned a lot in, in my years on the planet and I'm, and I'm happy to share that wisdom. Very much of it, as all wisdom tends to be hard won. And the clinical experience through being a psychotherapist, whether that's through my years of study or, you know, the the many, many years of uh, client work I have as a psychotherapist in private practice. So the podcast will continue. It will continue fortnightly uh, for now. We'll, we'll see how that goes. We'll trial it. Um, and... Again, my, my sincerest gratitude to Ashley, who, who kept the podcast going weekly because we got to have our check-in. We just came out and sometimes we had a, a very direct topic to discuss. Sometimes it was just well, whatever came out of the conversation. And they were always my favorite ones. You know, I, I, I enjoyed editing them. I enjoyed, you know, after after recordings, just going, yeah, that was a good one. You know, there was some good stuff and that that kind of thing. I didn't have to be on as the as the expert, I suppose. I could just come on and chat with my partner at the time. And, and have those conversations. And I, I've mentioned it many times on the podcast, but I do need to reiterate the point that, you know, this was very much out of, the podcast was very much out of Ashing's comfort zone. Uh, she was very private. And, you know, I think you could kind of see in the early episodes, it kind of took her took her a while to kind of relax into it. And uh, she did, you know, and I'm glad her personality came across um, as, as she eased into the, into the role. And she was brilliant. She was fantastic um at managing the tiktok that has certainly <laughs> uh, slackened off since i've i've had to take over tiktok is is a bit too noisy for me it's a bit too busy it's a bit it's a bit all over the place for me and and it takes a, a mental effort to get on and upload stuff and i have a tiktok account i don't even use it but you can check out the podcast tiktok account where um, you'll find Eric. We'll discuss Eric's TikTok later on, but also where you can find Hannah, who's who we had on last week, and an absolutely fascinating story around being an escort, being a sex worker. It was very much a very different uh, topic than what was imagined. I think when Ashing had had sourced Hannah as a guest, I think it was perhaps imagined it would be very much a stereotypical, um, forced into it or done it for you know, to keep a roof over our head or addiction purposes and stuff like that. You know, the things we genuinely very often think about when people go into that line of work. But Hannah spoke quite openly around her own experience of just 
doing it because it's it's something she chooses to do and it, it suits her personality and it suits um who she is and she spoke last week around being diagnosed with adhd so uh, that continuation of adhd with eric coming up later on so i suppose before getting into the social media and the correspondence i would just like to again express my sincerest gratitude to, to ashling for being a, as i said a fabulous co-host and a fabulous partner and you know we were together almost two years and we, we separate very amicably and you know it's which can be tough as well but i think for any of us and for anyone that got in contact with me everyone's kind of going oh my god that's a real shame and it and it is a shame but um as i said we we are who we are and we've been conditioned to be the way we are and that became issues over time but both of us kind of recognized this is some working and we're both sad at the prospect and that neither of us could but very happy that both of us can wish each other well uh in finding perhaps what it is that we may be looking for in in a partner so i think if you are watching or if you are listening you know my my sincerest gratitude again um i have expressed it privately but for our listeners to know and please do get in contact if you've enjoyed Ashling being being a co-host she was wonderful her wit will certainly be missed and uh missed as a partner and missed as a as a podcast host that's that bit out of the way folks um it was very difficult to know how to how to come at that you know to say something to say nothing but i think to say nothing would go against the entire premise of the podcast where we straight talk mental health and Ashling has been a huge part of the podcast and just to just kind of pretend that she's gone or um, that something has come up would be I think going against everything that I stand for on the podcast so there you have it the podcast will continue it will be every two weeks for now and we'll take it from there but we will be continuing I say we, I mean I will be continuing with with our guests coming on. i got to get back into the swing of doing this bit because this is where I used to throw over to Ashling to give you all the social media, but you know what to do, folks. Uh, I'm not going to labour the point too much. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, at STMHpodcast. That's where you can come on. You can drop your comments if you see any of our posts or you can slide into the DMs. If you want to contact me directly, you can do that. I'm happy to engage in any conversation. So if you want to come on and be a guest, if you want to to just offer some feedback on uh, last week's episode or even previous episodes as we got in some of the correspondence this week then please do feel free to get in contact on the social media you can also check us out on youtube give us a subscribe that's really going to help you know a lot of work goes into editing the videos so to give a subscribe or to give a like or give a comment uh you know drop a comment down below all of that sort of stuff that you see typically on, on youtube channels that's really going to help me out because as it stands I will be talking to myself until I'm talking to a guest. While I do this piece, I'm essentially talking to myself. But I am talking to you as the listener or you as the viewer. So it's lovely to know who's out there and who's listening and what the podcast means to them or what's something you've learned from the podcast or what's something that's entertained you on the podcast. Uh, hopefully we can carry on with the sense of humor that I try to knock out of guests. You know, we, we, we take the light with the shade, you know, the dark with the light, the yin to the yang. That's how the podcast is. So check us out on social media, Facebook, Instagram twitter and tiktok and the youtube channel if you want to check out the website that is www.stmhpodcast.com and the email is hello at stmhpodcast.com there you can email with your feedback or you want to come on and be a guest etc all of the, all of the stuff that you can also do on the social media but on the website you're going to get the newsletter click subscribe hit your um pop in your email address and then you're going to get the 
um, all of the episodes straight into your inbox when it goes live on midnight on Tuesday nights. So that's the social media plug. It is time to get into the correspondence. Um, we've got a big one, and I don't know whether to start with the big one or finish with the big one. Um, I think I finish with the big one because because it's a, a substantial one uh, from one of our listeners, from one of our loyal listeners, Andrew, who has been in contact many times. But as I said, you know, typically I think of people coming on and you know pe- people typically get in contact with last week's episode. Um, you know, so obviously that's the one that's resonating more with people because that's people are catching up. But we had Amy, Amy, who was our guest on our miscarriage episode. Hi, Amy, nice for you to, to catch back up again. And Amy had some feedback on a couple of our episodes. And one of them being last week's one, our episode with Hannah, being an escort, being a sex worker. And a lot of a lot of feedback around that episode. So Amy had said, a fascinating episode, Alan. Well done on speaking about such a taboo subject. That's what we're here to do. That's that's everything that we do on the podcast. I keep, I keep saying we. That is entirely force of habit. I will catch up on myself by saying that's what I try to do on the podcast. Uh, you know, we don't sugarcoat it. We, we could have cut that episode of going yeah it's not really you know what it what it's expected but you know i don't go into these interviews with an agenda hannah was a great guest and she spoke so openly about her own mental health struggles over the year her adhd and um her life as an escort uh, slash sex worker so thanks to amy amy also caught up on colin's episode colin we had colin on who was speaking about uh his granddaughter who committed suicide or completed suicide I, I use Joe public terms, but typically completed suicide is typically the term. Um, so Amy had caught up with that one as well. My God, his pain. The way he spoke was incredible. So brave. His recording the day of his granddaughter's death made me burst into tears. So if you haven't checked that out, please go back and check it out. It is episode 103. Wow, I think it's run 113 or 114 now at the moment. Um, so that's already a long time ago. Uh, Colin, Colin News, come on. His daughter had completed suicide in the summer and he also shared the video that he recorded at the time after he found out. And it's uh, it's a tough watch and a tough listen. And it had it, it had Amy burst into tears. So it's certainly a difficult one. But, you know, we cover we cover the hard topics on the podcast. That's that's always been the goal to just straight talk it, straight talk mental health, straight talk suicide of a loved one or to straight talk being a sex worker, to straight talk being an escort. So thanks for catching up, um, Amy. So another former guest had gotten in contact. Paul. Hi, Paul. Nice to hear from you again. You've been quiet. I know you've had a lot going on. So this was this this couldn't have been timed any better by by Paul. Hi, Alan and Ashling. I was wondering if there'd been an episode covering ADHD. A few months ago, I completed an awareness and mental health course, and one of the modules was ADHD. It was a real eye-opener, and I've since noticed so many familiar traits that I've had since childhood. Although I'm not diagnosed, I've been able to relate to it so much and was wondering if anyone had been on to talk about it yet. I hope all was well with you. Well, Paul, ta-da, here you go. Asking you shall receive. Uh, today's topic is ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So I hope you get something from it, uh, Paul, and hopefully it'll be something else that, that can relate for you. Also, a big thank you to uh, Maria. Hey, guys, love your show. Learning a ton from your content. Maria, check this out. Maria Popova, who checked us out on Instagram. And an old school friend got in contact. How you own? Uh, Bitzer, for any of the Kildare heads. Uh, own. had said, Alan, been dipping in on all your podcasts. Some great topics being discussed. Thanks very much, Owen. That means a lot. Uh, myself and Owen were old classmates in primary school and secondary school so nice to hear from you Owen. hope all is well with you so again switching back over to the Instagram and a big 
shout out to Sweet Smoky Flowers, who has uh, a pink cannabis leaf. So I don't think there's any uh, doubt of what Sweet Smoky Flowers she may be referring to. But she really enjoyed the episode with Hannah. Absolutely loved this woman. This was a great listen. It really was. If you haven't, do go back, check out last week's episode with Hannah. Um, and many people, you know, a lot of love out there, judging from all the comments and what everyone had to say around last week's episode of around Hannah's Honesty. So we're getting into the big one. Um, this one, this one means a lot because I, I know Andrew, who has been in contact many times with the podcast, and um, you know, constantly, constantly gives us a plug. But this one meant a lot, so I wanted to, I wanted to leave this one until last, just to kind of give it the, the gravitas that um, it deserves, I suppose. So Andrew had posted he had, he had tagged us on Instagram. Uh, with a post and also in in the in the description around the post on Instagram. So the Instagram, as as all of the social media, is at STMH Podcast. So Andrew had said a year ago to today, I shared a little about my slightly bumpy journey over the last few years. I did this thinking that I'd gotten through the worst of it, and I should really share my journey in the hope that maybe somebody else could relate and try and do something about their own situation. Well. It turns out that life has a slightly fucked up sense of humor. It certainly does. And for the sack, for, for the for the six months after this post, it felt like I was the pinball in a pinball game. The consequences of this is that I had some really dark moments, even if on the surface all looked rosy. It wasn't actually what it said on the tin. Thankfully, a sequence of events started with the kindness of strangers, a phone call from a very close friend, and meeting an incredible human being led to me forging stronger friendships with people already close to me and reconnecting with friends and people that had also been there for me. But it also allowed myself to become isolated and very unkind to myself and I had to get it into my head that I had alienated everybody. It turns out that I wasn't nearly as bad as I thought. How did all of this, a podcast and counselling, help? It made me realise a lot of things about myself, why I was like I was, and that I wasn't actually as bad a person as I had conditioned myself to think I was. Am I okay? Yeah, I think so. The past six months and the last six weeks have been the maddest roller coaster of emotions I can ever remember, and it's all positive. I am definitely stronger, and after celebrating my 50th lap around the sun this weekend with a small group of awesome human beings, pulled together by a couple of very cool human beings and the love of, of a many who couldn't be there, I think I'm headed in the right direction. What's my takeaway from all this? Be kinder to yourself and follow some sage advice from a friend over a few celebratory beers on Saturday. Take care of your mental fitness and your mental health will be okay. I also have to say a massive thank you to every single one of you who got in touch after I shared the original post. I hope you're also in a better place now. Go give at STMH podcast a listen. It worked for me. So happy birthday, Andrew. Uh, 50 revolutions. Congratulations. Um, what Andrew was relating uh, was saying in the longer post was what had related to what he'd had in the original post. That was the description of the post on on Instagram. Um, so the gist of which was if you do know someone is struggling just be there and get them to give these folks a listen at Straight Talking Podcast thank you uh, thank you Andrew thanks you know thank you for being so open and honest this is entirely the point of the podcast this is exactly what we're wanting to do particularly as it relates to men you know as the podcast started out with myself and Peter and two men you know with a heavy emphasis on men's mental health you know, it's nice to know that Andrew has has taken a lot from his experience of counselling and from the podcast. So thanks very much, Andrew. Really appreciate you getting in contact. So I think we'll leave the podcast correspondence there, folks. But you know what to do. Get us on all the social media. Get us on uh, the website. Get us on YouTube. All of that. Get in contact. If you've got some feedback, you know, again, you know, leave some correspondence for Ashling. If, you know, if you enjoyed her on the podcast, 
Uh, let me know what you think of this week's episode around ADHD. If there's anything in particular that resonates, please do let me know. So with the ADHD being discussed, let's throw on over to Eric. So this week on the Straight Talk and Mental Health Podcast, we are talking ADHD, not ADHD slash ADD. We'll get into that a little bit as, as we talk about it. But I'm talking to a man who is known on TikTok as your ADHD friend. He has quickly gone about trying to become my friend because not only is his second name Alan with two L's, he's also rocking a Great Gatsby t-shirt. So this this man is straight away, straight away my friend. <laughs> and when I'm talking about when I'm talking about this man, I'm talking about Mr. Legend now, Gatsby, Alan with two L's, Mr. Eric Allen. Eric, how are you doing tonight? My time. Great. How are you, Alan? I'm doing I'm doing good. Uh, as soon as I seen the t-shirt, I was like, ah, oh, I'm I'm loving this guy. I'm loving this guy straight away. I just picked it up, picked the energy out, and it was perfect, apparently. Just... Now, now I'm gonna have to go and get one of them t-shirts. Didn't even know yeah, they were out there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get one there. On Etsy, you know. Yeah, cool. I'm loving it. Eric, before we get into anything, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where in the world you are and a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, I um I live in Min- in the United States in Minnesota. Um basically like St. Paul, technically Woodbury, right by it. Um see basically i'm currently a produce buyer i buy for um unfi and um before that i was a produce manager and and worked in with a lot of produce and worked my way up and i did graduate from the um from the university of wisconsin river falls uh with a bachelor's degree in marketing and um minor in psychology and um being that i have adhd it was a struggle but yeah, that's just a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to exercise, be a family, watch TV. Pretty normal person. Cool. You mentioned it there, and it's the topic of the or the title of this episode: ADHD. When did when did this thing enter your life? That's a great question, especially because it was a really confusing. So. I used to get a lot of uh, really bad fevers. I used to get pneumonia a lot when I was really, really young. And we didn't know this, this at the time, but the first mental illness that I ever portrayed was OCD. And it was clear cut. Like it wasn't like, oh, maybe it's like, no, I couldn't. I had to wash my hands like forever, wash them raw, open locks back and forth. And so we thought I was OCD. So I started taking Selexa for that. And it, it, it sort of helped. But eventually, but that really made my current diagnosis a lot harder to get, right? Because it's not similar. It's... You know, so then not many people are going to think, oh, you're not that common to be that OCD and ADHD. I mean, it does happen. Mm. So right away, that kind of started me off on a, uh, on the, it was good at the time, but then eventually when my hormones kicked in and I grew up, I eventually just kind of grew out of the OCD. And we didn't know until much later that, oh, uh, really bad fevers at a young age can cause OCD in people. So, and then I basically was on like a parade of different drugs, different diagnoses, everything besides ADHD. It didn't help that my mother didn't want me to be ADHD. Didn't really, you know, her, um, her, my stepdad at the time was ADHD. And, uh, you know, she just didn't, um, she was very academic and very good in school. And so she just didn't, I don't think she just, she just didn't want me to be ADHD really. It wasn't personal. It wasn't her fault. Mm. She just, it wasn't that accepted, you know, 25 years ago. I mean, it was known, but it was, just taboo kind of. So it took until about, I was 19 or 20 for me to actually get a formal diagnosis, see an ADHD specialist along with a psychiatrist. 
took this crazy test on a computer on medication and off medication because I'd already been getting it prescribed, but then that doctor actually started getting shit for prescribing too many amphetamines, they said. So he sent me to this person, and then that's the only reason I could do the test like that. Normally, you would just do the test without the, the meds, but this was perfect because then you could do it on and off to show exactly how good it is. And it was, I came out with like in the 98th percentile for ADHD and 99th percentile for ADD. And, you know, that kind of, and then I was able to actually get through college after that. It was clear. I got through high school and everything else. Okay. It was a struggle, but it was clear I wasn't going to make it through college without a formal diagnosis and meds and counseling. Mm. I suppose if, if we go back to the, go back to just the, the beginning of that, Eric, you, you mentioned the, the OCD. One, one of the things where, uh, well, one of the things I'm I'm very vocal on on the podcast. Whenever we have guests to come on that you know speak about their experience of OCD, I'm always quick to add the point: just because you like your house clean, doesn't mean you're OCD. No, it was like painful. This mm. is a better way to describe it. It was like I knew it wasn't logical, but the compulsion was so hard to fight that mm. I did something I knew didn't make sense or help, and and then it becomes like: is it, are you spending over two hours a day doing this? And if you are, then it's a problem enough to be diagnosed was, the, was what they would kind of say. So yes, being anal and OCD are not the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So when we say OCD for our familiars, our listeners that may be unfamiliar, obsessive compulsive disorder, and, and, and you kind of identified it there yourself, the compulsion, you know, yep. you, you know, this thing can be irrational and yet mm -hmm. you, you still can't stop doing it. Yep. It, it's exactly. not like having to all having to have all the worktops cleaned and everything put away before you go to bed. Or before yeah. you leave the house, it's just because you, know, you need health code does not mean that you're yeah. involved in disorder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've seen I, I've seen clients with us over the years, and you know the the, the impact it has on their life is just you know it's so sad. You know, they're, you know, having to go through all these rituals before to leave the house for fear of someone dying, driving down the road, having to go back three times in case for fear that they've knocked someone down. I had one young guy, he was probably about 13 or 14, uh, came into me and as I, I shook his hands and it was like shaking the hands of a laborer who had done like <laughs> 60 years. His hands were just raw, raw yeah. from where, so from where he had washed like, They're still really wrinkled for like a 34, I mean, like a 34 year old. I mean, they're not, mm. it's not tragic, mm. but yeah, I mean, it's hard to fix once you get them dried out that much. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to, you know, pull the skin back, you know? Yeah. What what was the what was the behaviors then that that started to be recognized of going okay maybe maybe there's AD, ADHD. So just just to clarify for people, ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Used to also be ADD, attention deficit disorder. And that's just confusing. Yeah. 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 But yeah. So what what they've done, yeah, so they've kind of done the same thing as they've as they've done with uh, autism and Asperger's. So the DSM, the DSM-5 is where, you know, you have to meet the diagnostic criteria um to be officially classified with, you know, OCD or ADHD. So what what's happened is they've taken out ADD and they just just they just classified now as ADHD. Yeah, the or the inattentive they're, they're, type to refer to ADD, right? It, but they don't yeah. call you right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. The same as there used to be a separate diagnosis of Asperger's, which which I would have. Um, yep. But now it's just ASD, autism spectrum disorder. So yep. just, just to clarify that for people that may be going, oh, I thought, is, is that the same as ADD or ADHD? Technically now, under the same diagnostic criteria, 
they're the same. You mentioned the... We'll get into it just because you touched on it there, Eric. You mentioned different kinds there. Is, is that something you could speak a little bit on? What do you mean different? the difference between ADD and ADHD? No, well, in terms of ADHD with the kind of... Uh, so there's the inattentive and then the hyperactive. Did they, did they break you down into, into anyone in particular? They just went with ADHD. I think it's because you can, and this is like, this, I don't, this is one thing I'm actually interested to hear your thoughts on it. Cause I mm. don't, I've always thought that the difference was really just, okay. So if you're standing in a line and you're ADD, you're more likely to forget that you're standing in line than be super pissed off about it. Mm. Is kind of what I've kind of gathered from certain people. And, and it's not like that's a scientific study way of like looking at it. Yeah. But I think that's more what it is. Like if you're in a classroom looking around, you're more like looking around because you're getting distracted by the light or the sign language teacher that's there for like the partially mental or partially hearing impaired person. Mm. Whereas if you're ADHD, you're not listening because you can't stand sitting still partially. Yeah, yeah. And that's what's really driving, you know. Yeah, like so they've, they've kind of, like kind of looked at... And, They've broken it down into into three different um, kind of categories under the ADHD. So one is the uh, predominantly inattentive. So this is hard to organize or hard to finish a task, uh, difficulty paying attention to details, difficulty follow, following instructions or conversations, kind of easy distracted or, you know, can, can forget things uh, fairly fairly regularly. The other one then, which is predominantly hyperactive impulsive presentation. So this is the fidgeter, talks a lot, can't sit still. Uh, if it's a small child, it can be running, jumping, constantly climbing, uh, restless. Uh, kind of what you typically think of along the, the ADHD. So, you know, just can't stop themselves from speaking out. Uh, difficult to wait their turn. You know, just the more stereotypical ADHD side of it. And then the other one then is, is a kind of combined. That's That's the third one. Yeah, it's actively difficult for me not to interrupt you. Like it just be and and it's it's uh it's even in college I did that with the professors. I mean, usually it was because I would had a point that was right and somehow I just I just slid through. Mm. Yeah, we do that because otherwise we're not gonna we're either not gonna listen to what you're saying or we're gonna forget what we're saying if we don't yeah. interject. So that people take it personally, and that's because it seems rude and like we're selfish, and it's like it, it totally makes sense it comes off that way. But really, we will either not hear what you're saying because we're trying to remember what we were going to include or we're not going to remember what we're saying. So it's never actually personal. We can't remember what we're, what we're going to like talking about <laughs> half the time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know. But. Yeah. So th th just to clarify, they're, they're the types for people. What were the behaviors that started to be recognized for the questions to be asked around you of, oh, maybe. So the thing is, is that I, I can recognize when like the behaviors started, but they weren't acknowledged at the time as ADHD, more just like bad behavior. Mm. So, but like right away, I had a hard time like sitting at a desk for long. I always, and even right now, because I can't really move around, I'm sitting here doing this, you know, because that way my brain works a lot better when, when we're moving. If you want to have a hard conversation with me, go for a walk with me mm. and then I'll be a lot more likely to receive it well mm. and whatnot. So sitting at a desk, I mean, getting in trouble in school, it wasn't so bad until like junior high where classes started to get a little bit more serious, but I was definitely like always a class clown, uh, you know, it was definitely disruptive, but back then teachers like could kind of put you in your place more eat a little bit of they could be more firm than i have than i've heard they yeah. can be now which i yeah, think yeah, yeah. helped me honestly yeah. not to say that like 
you know, you can't grab kids and like throw them in the hall, but like you could raise your voice and get their attention and make them take you seriously. So that kind of kept me in line, I would say. Also, I broke my arm when I was four. I threw myself off a slide because I was frustrated. Uh, I broke my wrist when I was, that was when I was four. I broke my wrist when I was, I guess, in second grade. I don't remember how old, eight or nine, trying to climb a tree that, and something on a branch that just clearly was going to break. I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't think that then, but yeah, mm. taking risks, risky behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, we had trying, um... like hiding from my parents. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. We, we, we had Kit O'Malley on an author on there a couple of weeks ago who who's now adult son had ADHD as a child. And that's, that's one of the things that fearlessness you know, just climbing and everything, just, you know, climbing the highest tree, just not giving a shit, just no fear. That that was you. You you were the same sort of kid. Sort of. Yeah. But, but I also wasn't like, I, I wasn't a big fan of like going off big jumps with bikes, but like one time, like in Florida, I don't know how old I was. It was under 10. We were at like this alligator exhibit and they, you know, like asked who wants to get in with the alligators. I raised my hand like fiercely hard. And then they, they, I got selected and then they're like, all right, you're going to get in there with them. So then, and I, so I took my sandals off and I was like, all right, you know, let's do this. And then like, no, you're not actually going to go in there. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, well, I mean, you said, you said so. I was like, if you, mm. if you dare me though, I'm probably going to want to do it. You know what I mean? If it, and if I think I can like get through it, it's hard, especially in front of other people. Yeah. I'm pretty likely to step up to the challenge, you know, regardless of, and yeah, cause it's not that smart necessarily, but mm. yeah, kind of fearless, mm. but not like I won't jump off a cliff, you know, but yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's one thing, you know, with perhaps adult supervision around. But, you know, for other kids with just other kids and their peers there, that, that can get you into very risky situations. And I think being an only child hard. and being a first, first child, also usually they're a little bit more cautious. So I think that is partially maybe why I don't fully go all out. I'm not sure. That's just a running theory. But mm, mm. You, you said your your mom was, uh, she was resistant to the, to the diagnosis. At the time. At the time. Yeah. Um, just, I, you know, I just don't, I don't think it was that well accepted. I think they probably thought it was more like, don't, you can't make an excuse for bad behavior. You have to just work on it. You know, or what, cause it's sometimes they, it was viewed as bad behavior. Like, like, oh, for example, I go ahead. No, go ahead, Eric. Sorry. No, uh, like I didn't, I had a hard time learning to read cause I just didn't fucking want to. <laughs> like, you know, I remember her trying to, <laughs> trying to teach me. And eventually we go to the psychologist who's like, and this was not, they didn't think I was ADHD. They didn't, wouldn't acknowledge that, but they said, well, maybe try giving a bribe sort of like, all right, I love baseball cards. Like, so tell him that if you, if he reads for 20 minutes a day, he can go and get $5 spent on baseball cards once a week at the baseball card store. I eventually, and then it wasn't long before I was ahead in reading, mm. but it came down to, did I want to or not? Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of what the theme is for ADHD people. Like, they, it's a lot harder to make them do things to listen when they don't genuinely want to. Whereas other people seem to be able to have the discipline to sort of just, I don't know, do so. It seems like, but yeah, and that's that's going to come down to dopamine and motivation to try and get you to <laughs> to do it. So if if there's no dopamine there, which is a motivator, people think of dopamine as the kind of the pleasure pleasure neurotransmitter kind of thing but it's actually involved in motivation and novelty and stuff like that so yep. if you're literally there's no dopamine pumping out to get you moving and to get you motivated 
the fuck you going to do? You get ADHD paralysis. <laughs> yeah. And you just sit there and you don't do shit. And yeah. like, you don't do anything. Yeah. And you just sit there and stare or whatever, or zone out on your phone or whatever. Yeah. Mm, mm. Uh, was it a case for yourself? I've, I've often seen this, uh, Eric, in, in clients that I work with that, you know, where there would have been ADHD in childhood o- over here in Ireland to say, oh, he's just fucking bold. You know, he's just, he's just a bad kid. Like he's just acting up. Like he needs, he needs a good slap to sort him out. <clears throat> yeah. I was were you, were you a bold kid or <laughs> sort of, I mean, I didn't, or is that what they would have been saying about your rather? Sorry. No, I, I was, a. I I I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't crazy, but I had like a dad that was pretty like, not scary, but like forceful, but he didn't really hit me, but I just knew that like, not to like mess with them too much, but like my mom, I pushed the buttons a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I would hide from her in stores I did just, and the only way I would stop is if she would spank me. But like, literally, I think that happened like three times. And because I did take it, I did take it pretty seriously. So I wasn't one of the kids that necessarily, like I did like respect like my parents, regardless of whether or not I was on medication. I mean, I did try to push boundaries, I, but I wasn't super off the wall in terms of like misbehaving. I think, I mean, I don't know if that's because I didn't have siblings that pays any part of it or whatnot. I was just kind of a serious kid. Like sort of, I mean, you know, they went through divorce when I was there three. And I remember that was, I mean, I remember some of it and like having to, you know, get taken away from one to the other. And so I don't know if that plays a little bit of a factor in some of my development. And I wasn't just like the super carefree bouncing off the walls exactly, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You mentioned your your mom was kind of reluctant to get the diagnosis. I've seen very often with, um, as I said, you know, for myself with autism and they kind of, you know, when you, when you got it, you spot it. Um, I, I'd see a lot of parents that I'd say to them, you know, I, I think the kids, you know, you may want to get them checked out. You know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of, a lot of traits here of autism. Um, and, and parents tend to have, they seem to have two kind of responses. One is like, they want a diagnosis, you know, because, oh geez, that's great. Cause we taught that ourselves now. So we'll go off and we get them assessed. Because if if he gets the diagnosis, then he can get the he can get the help in school, or they can right. make allowances for it. And then the other side of it is no, I don't want them having a fucking label. That's all he's going to be now. And, yeah, you know, you you can kind of see two sides of it. But I I think for myself, and maybe maybe you're the very man to speak on it. Having that diagnosis can get you the help that may be required as a young kid. Yeah. I'm so torn about it because I, I, I'm like, I see on one hand, I wish that I would, I would have known, but on the other hand, if they would, I don't know, I don't necessarily advocate for medication on ADHD. I, I mm. do take it, mm. but I don't know how much it might def- affect your development and your growth. I, I don't know. I mean, you, you know, I take it from a super young age. You might, I don't know if you'll be like shorter or not. Mm. You know, I don't know if you don't learn some of the hard lessons that you maybe do learn without it to try to like fit in, because I think it is somewhat important to, you know, like, so I, I actually appreciate in a, to some extent, you know, not them wanting me just to figure out how to function because it did, I think it built a lot of strong tools, but it was painful. Mm-hmm. Right. But if they would have put me in a special program, would I have been better off than, you know, just trying to do it the way everybody else is doing it? I don't think so, mm-hmm. but I don't know because I didn't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, over here, I don't know if, if maybe it would have been in, you would have had them in the States at the time, but over here now it would be common for kids to have an SNA, which is going to special needs assistant in the, in the classroom. So someone yeah. might come in, you know, after an hour to, to take them out, let them run around the yard for 
a little bit or kick a football around just to kind of get them moving a little bit as, as the agitation starts and then, you know, back yep. into the classroom. That, and yeah, and that's the other thing. Yeah, like I work at a desk job now and I was terrified to take that job because, well, we, we have these preconceived notions that we can't do things that are different or new, especially sitting at a desk. Not everyone thinks that, but like if you haven't been good at that in the past. So I was definitely really worried about it. But I, I did eventually get to be pretty good at it. Now I'm really like fast and good at my job, but I'm not good at like learning new things. It takes me a little bit longer, but once I learn it, I can really fly, you know. Mm. What what was your experience in school and up to college then? You know, because at at the time you're in school, you don't know, you know. you. So is it, you know, clients I've seen, they've often felt that they were stupid, that there was something wrong. Yeah. You know, they're kind of constantly in trouble with the teacher. The teacher's constantly giving out to them, sit down, sit down, don't be playing with that. Da, 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 and they're constantly just getting, da, 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 you know, just getting bombarded from the teachers. Um, so I've, I've seen clients, you know, unknowns, unbeknownst them at the time, they would have been ADHD or would have been ASD and thinking they were stupid, thinking that there was something wrong with them, constantly getting in trouble, hard making friends because they're disruptive in the class, this sort of stuff. Did you have any experiences like that, Eric? Yeah, I was really self-conscious about, you know, like having trouble, like learning things, having a hard time keeping up with like lectures in class because it takes, I think it takes a little, a couple extra seconds longer for us to receive information, which is why, uh, especially information that's new, which is why like we get overstimulated, which is also why some of the bad things can happen. Like, you know, once we get overstimulated, then it's like, you're like the incredible Hulk kind of all of a sudden you're just like smash because you just don't know, you just go into like a very rudimentary part of the brain to deal with it. So a great example was when I was in college and like, we're trying to take this, learn how to make websites on Dreamweaver. And I never, I never loved technology that much. Yeah. I mean, I use it, but I'm not like passionate about it. So I was never, like super adept to like, oh, like there's special key here. Oh, this is where this already is. So mm. we'd be trying to follow along the projector screen. I couldn't fucking do it. <laughs> like, I mean, like even when I <laughs> sat in the front and then you can ask someone next to you for help for to a certain extent, but eventually you just end up getting behind and there's no possible way to recover, especially because you're fucking panicking. Mm. You're like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. And that's not productive, but that's, yeah, we've, we've kind of like, that's kind of developed the whole like low self-esteem mm. with ADHD because of our perception of what other people think, even if they don't think that we think they think that, and it's probably because of some feedback you've gotten, but just because one person said it, you might think everybody thinks that. Yeah. Just to, I'll come out and tell you, it's not actually true, but when you, you can make it true by thinking that kind of, you know, so it's, yeah. it's hard to get out of that cycle for sure. Yeah. You know, and again, it's, it's, it's not what people may say or, you know, but it's how we perceive what people are saying, you know, what's, what's said versus what's heard can be, can be, can be very different. And, you know, one person saying something can give you that kind of generalization of, oh, everyone, everyone fucking thinks I'm annoying. Everyone, everyone thinks I'm, <laughs> I'm stupid. Everyone thinks I'm, I'm this. Yeah. Yeah. Have, no, have you exactly. felt your, or did you feel that your self-esteem was, was affected by it as a result? You know, it's interesting because uh, ADHD people have seemed to be really perceptive of other people's feelings and stuff like that, but apparently we're not. And I actually that great at our own. So yeah, it was implicit and I didn't know it. But like the other day I was like, I was, I don't know, like I sneezed when I was like walking on the treadmill and then like 10 minutes later, I was like, I just sneezed and I'm a fucking idiot. I said it out loud to no one. And I actually did a video about it. I was like, so <laughs> random shit I blurred out. Is this just me? And like, no, it's not like, if it's very like other, other ADHD years, like, no, we, I do the same thing. And I, you know, and I was just like, yeah. So then I started, and after I, after I did that, I was like, okay, so now I need to start doing positive self-talk. 
Like Eric, I love my, I love myself. I love you, Eric. And even though you clearly don't necessarily believe that you saying mm-hmm. it out loud is powerful, you know? So I'm trying to like undo that now because I'm just, as I'm actually making these videos, I'm learning a lot about myself too. And apparently some of these people think it's helping them too, which is great. But, you know. mm. what, what was it like then to, to officially get that diagnosis? I, I imagine extremely... it's difficult to get there to begin with. Was there a long process or, you know, you'd mentioned doing it on meds, doing it without meds, all of that it, kind of stuff. Yeah, it was, it took, so, and really the only, the reason that I really ended up becoming firm thinking that I was ADHD was unfortunately because someone gave me some Adderall once, you know what I mean? And I, you know, this was not, and I would not suggest doing this if you're listening, you know, and without mm-hmm. a doctor's approval or whatnot. But unfortunately that was how I found out like, wow, I can really, I can do homework. I can take a test. I can, you know, control some more of these things that like I, you know, struggled to control before. It's like, wow, okay. But good luck going and telling a doctor that like, oh, I tried an illegal substance that wasn't prescribed to me. And hey, I think I have this because then it's just, it's definitionally drug seeking, even though you had no other way to find out. Because mm. no one in my family has ever been diagnosed with ADHD either. And they, they, that's what they always ask for. You know what I mean? Like, oh, is it someone else in the family? No. Okay. Or at least, at least they're now we think it was my, my grandma actually has it. She never graduated high school and she was always like, you know, was, doesn't sleep like a ton and like, but you know, that was so far before it, that it was never considered, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing. Typically, you know, when you, when you get these diagnoses and you look back, you go, Oh, hang on a second. Uh, right. I, I think there was one before me, you know, cause there is, but- there is obviously a genetic element. But to answer your question, yeah, when I finally got the firm diagnosis from an ADHD specialist who who he himself was ADHD beyond just my psychiatrist, uh, you know, opinion, it was almost like I feel too good to be true in the sense that like, it felt like I did it all the wrong way. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, I, I took this, like this, these pills, which apparently worked, but then they accuse you of drug seeking. And then I'm like, God, did I fake this? Did I somehow trick this test? And it's like, no, I'm not smart enough to trick this test. I can't even pass a test normally. You know what I mean? This is a really long test. You know what I mean? It's like, so it'd be like a, a thing would blink on the screen and you'd have to like, like click wherever it happened, but then there'd be like a long pause or then there'd be multiple ones and it's fucking boring. So like, of course, you, I don't know how you're going to do well on it, but like, you know, but it was very clear cut apparently. And then over time, it was like, everything just started to click. And then people were like, yeah, it's pretty obvious that you are. It's like, I don't know how that, you know, I don't know if it was just awareness spread or what, but so it was mm. gratifying, but also seemed too good to be true. Yeah. I've seen that very often with people with autism as well, after they get diagnosed, uh, there's that kind of imposter syndrome of going, mm. uh, was I really looking for this? You know, did, did I kind of cheat it? Did I manipulate it? Because maybe I knew what they were looking for. And, and you go between, oh, I'm definitely autistic to, oh, maybe I'm not. And then mm-hmm. you, you very often get, no, I fucking definitely am. <laughs> <laughs> so you had those kind of moments yourself of, uh, did, you know, am I, maybe, maybe I'm not. Yeah. Well, cause you're, especially when it's been fought for so long, you know, when people like that, you know, their parents like don't really think that's it. Like, you know, they think that you're just drug seeking. So then for sure you'd go on for a while thinking like, oh, maybe, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get these drugs or whatever. And it's like, no, but they totally helped. I, got through college. I mean, it wasn't, I never wanted to go to college, honestly, but it was one of those situations where my mom was going to pay for it. How am I going to not, how am I going to be that much of a, you know, it's like, come on, you got to, it's a great opportunity. So I got through it. And I still have nightmares about college and not graduating. Even still, it's the only thing I have dreams that I can remember about even still. Mm. 
How how did your family react then when you officially got the diagnosis? Um, they, there wasn't much that they could say. I mean, they you know it was more like wow because this guy is an ADHD specialist. He has ADHD, and he's saying you're about the most ADHD person I've ever seen. <laughs> ADHD I mean? so, is fuck. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It was that's what it was. He's like, you are in the. I was almost. It's like I don't know if I'm supposed to be offended. Like you're, you're in the 99th percentile. You're the textbook. We're, you're the yeah, you're example right. like, you're we're going to use from now on. You see this guy? That's fucking idiots. Great Gatsby, and yeah, you're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know. I think my and then my, and even still, my mom. I think she feels kind of bad about it. I really don't blame her because it's like culturally, it was not that well accepted. It's it's like you know, it's really easy. Like, come on, your parents can't be perfect. They're so good. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. I, I hate that she feels bad about it. I mean, she really thought that like, if you just try to work through this stuff and you build these muscles, you can just, you can be, I don't want to say normal, but normal-ish, you know, or whatever, you know what I mean? What's normal, but I mean, yeah, yeah. You know. but, but like that, that conforming, you know, if we just kind of drill it into you enough, you'll be fine. Right. Yeah. And it's like, well, sometimes, but there's always going to be something left waning kind of then, I guess, but mm. What difficulties has it presented for you throughout life then, Eric? Um, I think, uh, you know, yeah, it's difficult. It can be difficult with relationships. But one thing that's interesting, like I've actually never really struggled with having friends. Like I, one thing I see a lot of people say that like ADHD has affected their relationships. Mm. And I don't know. Like, I know that like I've, I've had troubles. Like I've been married for 14 years. Um, and I, for sure it was a struggle, especially at first, especially with like an explosive temper. And, but one thing is, is like, you know, I never was really into fighting. Like, I mean, like, like with my spouse, like in terms of like, are you yelling? Cause my parents and, and did that a lot. And that, even then I remember it being stupid. It's like, well, you're calling him a fucker. Of course, you're not even talking about anything. You're just, <laughs> you're, of course you're mad at each other. This has gotten so far away from whatever you were initially talking about that there's no, that you're not, you're just fighting about nothing. Mm. So I, you know, didn't take long before I was like, okay, look, I'm done fighting we can talk, but if it gets to fighting, we need to take a break and then come back to it when you're calm. You know, mm. that was kind of off topic. A little mm. bit. No, no. I mean, that's, I mean, that's good advice for people. And do you find it? I mean, I, I particularly find it hard, which is why, you know, for me doing a topic on autism or, or speaking around stuff around autism is really hard because I don't know. And the thing I've always said on the podcast has been, I don't know where I end. And the autism begins or where the autism begins or ends and I begin. Do you find that of going, well, what's me? What's what's the ADHD? Yeah. Also, because and I don't talk about this in videos, but I'm not ashamed of it. I, I also have unspecified mood disorder, which is extremely confusing because it's unspecified. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like it's uh, not even like you can't even. You find got a thing. You got a thing. Exactly. We right. Yeah, we don't yeah, want so it, but you got it. Have you ever, yeah. Have you ever heard of like hypomania or cyclothemia? Mm hmm. That's what it seems. They won't say it's that, but it seems like it's something more related to that. I, you know, I don't really, I, I, yeah, I'm not a, like a separate, like mood stabilizer. That's nothing like as, as much as like a bipolar person would take, but it's along the same category. And it just keeps me from thinking all of a sudden that I'm a fucking stockbroker, you know what I mean? Or something like that. Like, cause that, or like all of a sudden, like if, you know, I can, I've I tried going off it for months cause I wanted to be a part-time firefighter. And I was like, how much do I really need this? I don't know. I've been on it since I was like 10. You know, so I mean, who knows? Maybe I just am now addicted to it because I've been out for so long. I can get off it. I did get off it. And I thought it was great until I started investing a bunch of money in the stock market and I had no fucking idea what I was doing. And I was like, okay, maybe this, you know, so things can be fine for months. Mm. And then all of a sudden you, you know what I mean? You slip and then you're like, okay, that's why I'm, 
among other things probably that I can't remember. That's why I'm on these, you know. Mm. So so they're thinking maybe something something along the lines of bipolar? But just much weaker, like yeah, much yeah. smaller. So the ADHD, kind of type, they say, is by far the most pronounced. Yeah. Yeah, like right, the ADHD is by far the most pronounced. I don't know if like, like I'll tend to dissociate if like, if things are too stressful, I don't know, then I'll tend to like, all right, there's, then a wall will come up and then it'll slow, then it'll come down whenever I am I'm, I'm like emotionally available and it's useful, but also problematic, obviously. And then I'm not, yeah. So you're like, just what you said, I don't know. Is that me? Is that unspecified mood disorder? Is that ADHD? It's all me. It's what I, you know, as I'm honestly, I'm proud to be ADHD. I probably because I think it's a lot better than all the things they thought I was. You know what I mean? Maybe like I thought, the, the oh, they thought I was depressed. Evils. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They thought I, was, I was on depression medication, anxiety medication. At one point I went off all of it at once because it, it, which was, was definitely me having my mood disorder like happen at that point. But it, I also had no negative effect at that point because it just wasn't, they were not the right medications. And then somehow after that, maybe a year or two later, I eventually was like, got, figured out I was ADHD and then we got like on the right combo of stuff, you know, mm. did it take a while to, to get the right, the right combination of meds? Uh, yeah. I mean, I used to be on more and then they like regulated them more and then now I'm on less, but also as I've gotten older, you know, you don't want to like wear your heart out and stuff like that too. And also like it tends to, you tend to get better at controlling it with age because it hopefully you're learning is the goal, you know, mm. Mm. You said now it's been steady for years. Yeah, you said you've been married uh, for a good while, uh, by the sounds of there, Eric. Prior mm -hmm. to that, has had it had an impact in relationships? You know, where you haven't really had a long time to, you know, get used to a person or anything like that. Do you feel it's yeah, affected that area of your life in the past? I don't know if it, if that is what affected it or not. I've always had a lot of like friends. I always had a lot of like friends that were like girls and like short, like little things. But I didn't. You know, I had never really seen a very good relationship exactly. Like at the time, you know, my parents were a dysfunctional relationship. Um, not to criticize them in any way, but like mm. uh, they, you know, we all know that that kind of affects your life. Uh, Absolutely. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a job, Eric. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> when they got me married. It was you know it wasn't that functional. So I didn't, and I never had uh, brothers or sisters. So in a lot of ways, I you know I was like. I didn't really know what a relationship with a, with a girl was like. So I was a late bloomer when it came to like that kind of thing. Like, I don't think I had my first kiss until I was like 15 or 16, which isn't like ridiculously mm. late, but like, you know, it was just kind of a late bloomer. How how would your wife describe being with you? Does, you know, would she, can she spot it? She's like, oh, okay, he's off one here or what's kicking off. What what would she be saying? Well, it depends on the situation, but she, I'm, you know, the thing about, like we're very pretty predict predictable, like you kind of know that we're crap. I mean, it's got to hesitate to say all because like we're not all the same. Like I thought I asked a question once, are we all introverts or extroverts? I'm a huge extrovert. Mm. And I was like, my theory, what my working theory was since one of the characteristics or one of the symptoms of ADHD people is they do excessive talking that maybe we were all tending to be extrovert, extroverted, not the case. Mm. Granted that I only got 150 like, comments on it. And so it was like, you know, it was mixed. Some people were ambiverts, which was, I, I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, that's both. I think you probably lean one way or another more, but whatever. I mean, mm call whatever you want. So, uh, and then I do this a lot because then I lose the initial question you had. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> that, what what it's sort of authentically, It's authentically ADHD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's like, ah, oh, where were we again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, behaviors your wife would see, you know, what, what would she be able to see? 
Yeah, she knows if I'm going to start getting mad. She knows that, like, excessive, like, loud noises happening for, like, like, even though I talk loud, even though I'm actually pretty loud and abrasive, I don't like loud noises or things that, like, startle me. They'll, they'll, make, they'll set me off, get mm. my adrenaline pumping, and then, like, once that happens, it's like the whole day is shot because then you're just trying to deal with, like, coming down off of adrenaline. Um, I'm, okay, I'm, I, I can't remember fucking birth dates. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm good with money. I, interestingly enough, which is un, kind of counterintuitive to what a lot of other people say about their ADHD, they say that like they they blow through money. Mm. It's one thing I've never really done. Uh, what else would she say about me? Uh, I like to tease her, not negatively, but like I get a lot. Of, I, I like to get a rise out of people. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I don't know if that's a characteristic of us mm. or not, but I mean, I, I kind of, it's kind of a childish thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I do that. I do that to the people I like. Once I know you, I mean, mm. I, especially the people that I, if I like you more, I'm probably going to poke your buttons. You know what I mean? <laughs> to some extent. I mean, it's, it, and I, but I'm pretty perceptive about who can handle what mm. I've always been sort of a chameleon. I could kind of fit in with a lot of different groups of people. So I think that helped me adjust to like, okay, like I'll push this person's buttons, but just to a point, I don't actually want them to be like unhappy. That's not the point. I'm just trying to get a rise out of them and me. And usually it's a laugh, you know, but. Yeah. Um, is your employer aware of it? Is it something you tell people about or do you kind of hold back on it a little bit or? I don't hold back as much as I maybe should. I, but <laughs> okay. I also, it's just like, I've, I, yeah, I have told them. I partially cause I'm not that, I'm really not that ashamed. I must be somewhat, uh, maybe I'm somewhat ashamed or maybe I'm somewhat, uh, what's the word? I tell them because I'm worried that it's obvious. So like, I want to be the one that tells them instead of mm -hmm. like them thinking like, is he, you know, is he 80 or whatever? So I don't know if it's uh, what my strategy is necessarily, mm -hmm. but I am pretty open about it. Um, but I also think being open can be a really good thing because I think it makes you more adaptable to like maybe changing and like thinking about other ideas because, you know. Yeah. And has there, you know, do, do you require any anything different in the workplace to kind of uh, to, to get through your day as a result of us or yeah i don't sit like luckily i'm remote that was one thing not well the one thing that covid did for a lot of people was i actually started being a produce buyer remote and then they never made us go back to the office so it's made it a lot easier for me like i can like get up move around if my brain gets jammed up i, I can get up and like go do what i need to do like go on the treadmill just take a break go, go walk around outside that is what my big advice is for anybody that works at a desk that has ADHD that like struggles, you know, like it's like, don't fight the brain, like the brain fog or the, the jammed up brain that you get from just being tired. It's just not productive. You might, if you get up and walk around for 10 minutes, you're going to come back and you're going to blow through that project because your brain has just gotten the rest it needs. And I think that's important. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you've touched on it there, Eric. So, I mean, good, good time to maybe elaborate. Um, what advice would you give to people that uh, that may may have ADHD from from your lived experience? What what advice would you give? Yeah, um, well, you know, I'd seek counseling if it, if it, if it's affecting you negatively, which I mean, a lot of people, you know, it seems like it does. Mm -hmm. AD, you know, medication or not, you know, that's up to them. You know, I mean, I, I encourage it, but I also don't encourage it. Like, I, I, I guess you know, I, th I think it's great if you can figure out how to get to, you know get around taking it if you can wonderful that's probably ideal um just trying to think like other general advice don't be so hard on yourself if you're adhd because we are really we are, are a lot of times we're our own worst critics like when mm -hmm. we get mad 
it's funny because people think that we're mad at them. We're mad at ourselves for having this big reaction, for looking, throwing a tantrum. And it usually can carry on through, like it affects the energy through the whole day. So now what I do when I make a mistake is I say, I forgive you, Eric, because I did do cognitive therapy, you know, and it, it, there's a lot of power to just saying things, even though I, you know, like if, I may not believe it, but saying it out loud will help program your brain into like improving too. So simple things like that. Oh, also, if you have ADHD structure, try to, it's hard for us to structure, but it's, it's so important. Have the same spot for your keys, your phone, mm -hmm. your wallet, never mm -hmm. deviate ever. Mm -hmm. Because the moment that we lose something, we it's like we go into like flight or fight or flight mode, and then you're not thinking. You're, you're not, you know what I mean? And that's yeah, uh, yeah. and that's the big problem. It's not that we can't find it, but we have we immediately jump into this fight or flight mode, which means your brain is just on like autopilot in a non-productive way. Mm -hmm. Actually, I had a I had a girlfriend years ago who uh, she, she believed she was ADHD, and in retrospect, yeah, she fucking she definitely was. But I used to see <laughs> it every morning. Every morning she couldn't find her keys, and every morning started out stressful. And I was like, "Oh, where's my keys?" I'm like, "How do you?" So what I actually did was I actually did what what you said there. I was like, "Look, see that there? I, I put a thing on the windowsill. That's where your keys go. Okay, every day." That's where your keys go. So when you wake up in the morning, that's where your that's where your keys are going to be because she she started every day stressed. As I said, she went into fight yeah. or flight mode, you know. And then the every whole day, day is kind of it's hard to recover. Mm. It takes another full day to like kind of like regenerate, and then you start it over the same way because. And it wasn't me that got these processes started. This was my wife who was organized. So like, yes, we she is a, a more type A kind of person, and I'm more of like a fly by your seat, just. <laughs> You know, it. like uh, whatever works. Man, it, it, you know it, I mean? It'll be grand. It'll be grand. <laughs> it, it'll be it'll be fucking great, right? Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, but really, it's great because we've combined like you know our strengths and weakness. You know, and, like she can help me with some of her strengths, and I I don't know what exactly what I mean. I, I can make her laugh and like you know and stuff like that. And I'm really good at like doing chores around the house and stuff. Like I just I like to I'm active. You know, mm -hmm. so. uh, do routines work for you or is that is that too much for you you know as you said you fly by ice or having a routine and having a structure which way do you it's go with that it's funny because i we cra i crave dopamine that like i don't know if i get enough of so structure is it may, but it's also boring mm. you know what i mean so, so you're kind of looking for it's hard because you know you're looking for it's you can get depressed too by the structure that you created to help yourself because it's it's not what your brain naturally wants to do, but it's the way that you fit into this world. Mm. If you want to like be a productive member in this type of society or whatever it is, it, then you need to like fit in and like, you know, like, okay, then you need to use structure to help and it's great. But then, you know, some of your creativity gets sucked away sort of in it. So it's really about trying to find a way to let it back out, I guess, you know. Mm. Mm. How did, how did TikTok come about for you? How did, how did you, how did you get yourself out there and what was that experience like for you? That's funny because I have always been against social media up until five months ago. <laughs> I didn't have a Facebook page. I didn't have, uh, when I'm like, and you know, that was Facebook was like, you know, started to get pretty big. I think when I was in high school, I don't even remember anymore, but like, but I was always fought it. I was like, I don't give a shit what you're doing with that picture. And you know I mean? I just was like, I don't know. It's not real. Mm -hmm. what, I, what I always viewed it as. And like, I mean, and I just, uh, and then again, you hear about cyberbullying, and I was like, "Great, well, I know how to fix that. Just don't fucking do it." But that's <laughs> that's also just you know, 
but that's kind of bullshit. I mean, you, a lot of, most people are going to like do the popular thing and, um, and whatnot. So it really just came down to my wife, uh, used to make soap and she wanted to make it do it and, uh, as a side job. And she wanted to make it into this big profitable thing. I was always super skeptical. Cause like, I, you know, I'm like, I don't really like the idea of starting a business, especially not a product based business where you have to like spend a ton of your time at trade shows. And like, mm. you have to like sell through, I mean, cause I, I mean, I did retail. I, I know how hard it is to make profit. Even if you have a great structure set up, I just, it's like, I didn't, I know you can do it, but the amount of time you're going to take is going to, it's going to be awful unless you're just super passionate about it. And after like a few years, she came up with a great product, great brand and whatnot, but she also eventually agreed. But in order to really get this off the ground, she can't really be like a mother <laughs> or like sort of, or it would just mm. be really challenging for her to do other things, other things she wants to do. So then she's like, I could be a social media influencer. I was like, yeah, I love that. Because it costs nothing. There's no failing is not, not, you know, it's like, oh, if you fail, okay, well, $0 lost there, you know, and then she started doing it. And then I saw, and I started doing some videos with her. And eventually I just started my own page or whatever on TikTok. At first I just did like things like funny things, like what not to say to your wife, blah, blah, blah. Then I started seeing ADHD stuff pop up and I started seeing like, wow, there's a ton of people following these people. And wow, they just are basically showing things that I just do all the time without thinking, you know? And so then I started doing that and it just became, it was just really well received. And then people are like, wow, this is helping me so much with my wife. And I was like, wow, that's, I mean, that's really great to hear. I mean, I've, I have always loved like to help people. I mean, especially like when it's mutually beneficial, you know, it's like, which this is, and then it's, and then helping them helps me. I learned little things that I didn't really realize about myself from them. And then it just has kind of grown from there. Mm. Has there been any negative side to it? Yeah. Uh, one of my most popular videos, like, you know, people are like, not everything is ADHD, blah, blah, blah. And just stop it. And whatnot. like, I, you know, I don't know if you saw my one video, the one, I, the most popular one, where I like throw the lawn furniture or whatnot. And like, you know, and, and a lot of people like, was like, wow, this is the most authentically ADHD thing I've seen. <laughs> and then there's some haters out there that are just like, oh no, you're a spoiled brat. And you know, and it's like, well, first of all, you realize I made this video. Like I didn't actually, I wasn't super mad. It's not I'm, I'm good at like rising to the occasion. <laughs> right. But I didn't actually, I didn't just happen to have the camera rolling this mm. perfectly, you know, but that's, but that's exactly the thing. It's like, and then I don't know what it's like in Ireland is actually going to ask you. So you say it's kind of taboo. So yeah, people there think, oh, they're just a bad kid or mm. they're just because it comes off that way. And it's like, yes, but the techniques that you use to fix a normal bad kid is not going to work on them. Mm. I think, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of the big yep. issue. Yeah. Yep. And that's and that's the problem, you know, as I said, and the difficulty in not getting a child diagnosed is that well what what difficulties are you are you leading them into in life? You know, are you setting them up for low self esteem? Are you setting them up for not having any friends? And and I've seen clients, I've seen clients with us, you know, that weren't diagnosed and you know, other kids didn't want to hang around with them. Because there were there were too much to deal with. Because they were they were always restless. They were always into stuff. They were interrupting class. You know, the teacher didn't like them. The other kids didn't like them because teachers always having to attend to them. You know, whereas having the information can go. Oh, actually, you know what this kid needs? He he he's probably not going to fully be optimized in. That's not even a fucking word, but it came out in in this kind of environment. He needs something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um and you know because traditionally that was it oh, he's fucking bold that all all he needs I think I said it on the on the episode with Kate when she was talking with her son you know the very Irish thing you would have heard was good fucking slap us hard him out that's all he needs now that'll put manners on him we'll see who fucking we'll see if he'd be jumping around the place then now after you get it's like 
you're fucking talking about uh, abuse, like, you know, you're talking about an adult hitting a child. Right. The, the child doesn't want to be jumping around the place. The child would love to be fucking settled and love to be able to take in all the information the same way as everyone else does. And, you know, like that, but that's that's been the kind of attitude toward it in the past. Thankfully, I think with a lot more SNAs and a lot more uh, information around it now, I, I think it's it's easily spotted. And then, but then the other side of that then is like, oh sure, oh, everyone's fucking ADHD now. You know how how come how come everyone is how come everyone is autistic now or how come everyone is ADHD now? Because we're more aware. Right. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it, right. Yeah. And like, so now a lot more 30 and 40 year olds or uh, ever since the pandemic seem to be getting, at least in the U S seem to be getting like, you know, Oh wow. I didn't know I was ADHD. And so now they're getting addressed more so now. But the other thing about getting a diagnosis is, is that it creates em- like if people accept, Oh, this is a mental illness, then they have the ability to have empathy. Whereas like you said, if they think that you're just a bad kid, they're not mm-hmm. even going to try empathy. They're just going to be like, they're going to try what they think helps. They're not, maybe bad, they're not like bad people. They just actually think that their parents probably just did it to them. Maybe it seemed to work. And so of course they're going to do the same thing. It's just, but then well, I do tell most people that I'm ADHD and maybe because I'm self-conscious, but also because I think it allows them the opportunity to know that I'm, you know, this is just how I am. It is, uh, you know, and then they are more likely to receive me with empathy. Another thing I do is I do apologize a lot for like interrupting because I, I don't actually want the person to think I don't care. Mm-hmm. It's just that I actually can't fully engage in the conversation after the, if they talk for way too long, you know, I, I just will like lose the conversation and not even hear what they're saying. So yeah. yeah. And know, again, apologizing very... does help. I think and people are like, cause then they know that you, 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 you're sorry, but you can't really help it. Has it ever been the case, Eric, that, you know, as I said, people, people anticipate, or the expectation is, you know, if you're ADHD, you're jumping around the place, you can't concentrate on anything. But then what, what can happen is you've got hyper-focus. So the things that you are interested in, you can get fucking lost in. Is, is, that, is that a case for yourself? Or do people go, yeah. so you, you can't be ADHD if you're, you know, how come you're able to, you can concentrate on that there for, for six hours? Because I wanted to, and it created yeah. a dopamine high. Yeah. Is the big thing. The, the, the long thing that we're searching for is I think we I struggle with a dopamine like levels and dysregularity. And like it just, and I think like whenever you can get excited about something, then we can actually go the opposite direction with it and actually like that's like a superpower. Mm. But what I've had other people say to me is that that's a problem for them because then they're so into that they're not able to focus on the other things that they normally would be like, like, you know, to be with their partner and then they're not listening. So that's the problem. Anytime that you're like able to do something like one thing really great, it, you're losing something else in some other way. So yeah, it's, so it's hard to turn on and off and being able to do so would be a great talent. Mm, mm. but people need to understand that you know that hyper focus is genuine it doesn't mean that you're not adhd it's it's one of the things that goes along with adhd as yeah. i said it's that, that was actually something that i kind of learned about by the being on tiktok is like people talked about that and i was like huh i never really realized that that was but yeah i totally do that too yeah mm. for for anyone that that may have suspicions that there might be you know they're listening to you and they go oh shit Okay, <laughs> that 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 yeah, actually that's that's resonating. Can you think of you know whether from your own experience or from the the feedback that you've had on TikTok, what would be some of the common traits that that you would see or that people you know the comments you've gotten that people have gone, I do that, I do that, I do that. Is there any kind of commonality or things that for people to to maybe look out for that maybe that maybe indicators that you know there may be ADHD. 
Yeah, I mean, basically, if like, and it's like, so every, like, I always say, like, you know, just because you do this one thing does not mean that you're ADHD, you can have a problem with your temper. But if it's enough of the symptoms combined mm-hmm. and it's consistent, then that's when you can start to say, all right, maybe, like, you know, like this, it's worth getting checked out. Um, one is, is like, yeah, well, the biggest one is like performance in school. Usually it's the first thing that's identified. I've had a lot of people say, like, I asked, how did you get diagnosed with ADHD? Because there's a lot of like, I actually am confused. Some people get it diagnosed from like a family doctor, which is, they're not really, I mean, I'm not saying that, that they're not ADHD because, mm-hmm. because they got, you know, but it's not, they're not like specializing in mental health. Exactly. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, so a psychiatrist is usually the best route I, I, I thought, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But like, so there's a lot of um, different ways people are getting diagnosed. There's no stand one set way. So some people have to produce report cards from when they're like in sixth grade and they're like 30. It's like, who the fuck has report cards from <laughs> six? I mean, that's no college wants to see that shit. You know what I mean? So why would you have it? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and they, but they require it. It's like, oh, well, tough luck then, I guess. It's like, well, I guess try another doctor, but that's just, there's no standardization necessarily in the whole mm-hmm. diagnostic of it. So making it hard to know. Yeah. But other characteristics of it are, yeah. I mean, impulsivity, you know, being impulsive mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot also with money, it seems to be that's a one common one, one I didn't really have a lot of problem with, but that might've been because my dad struggled with money. And I remember being a kid thinking about like how I didn't want that to be me. So then from a young age, I kind of just, I got, I actually have anxiety about spending money yeah, instead yeah. of like, which is a, another problem kind of, cause it's like, yeah, great. I always have money, but then I agonize over spending money I've got. Is that a good, no, it just happens to be useful and not running out, you know? Mm-hmm. Other symptoms. Yeah. I mean, struggles, having a hard time sitting still, having a hard time listening to people that you generally care about. I mean, like, you know, especially when they do a long story. I mean, I actually did a TikTok recently about how if people would just tell less shitty stories, <laughs> everybody would pay attention, not just ADHD people, yeah. but yeah, good luck I, I think the takeaway from that video was just be fucking more interested, everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Try to be. But then it was funny. Even even I was like a little bit long-winded in that. I was like, and then someone commented, like, I actually tuned out in the middle of that. And I was like, yeah, I had considered that might happen. <laughs> it was funny. But... Yeah, yeah. Eric, could you, could you sit with me for a minute, for about three or four minutes, as I just read out for people just some of the, the official diagnostic criteria for people. Um, I know it may be difficult. Do what you need to do. I'm just going to read off this list for people just so they yeah. know actually what is involved. Um, so as I said, around the inattention, so this is looking at the DSM-5 criteria. So six or more symptoms of inattention for children up to 16 years or five or more for adolescents aged 17 uh, and older. So you need five of these or... Uh, what do we got? Yes, or six for for under sixteens. So often fails to give close attention to details or makes careless mistakes in schoolwork at work or with other activities. Often has trouble holding attention on tasks or play activities. Often does not seem to listen when spoken to directly. Often does not follow through on instructions and fails to finish schoolwork chores or duties in the workplace. Example, loses focus or sidetracked. Often has trouble organizing tasks and activities. Often avoids dislikes or is reluctant to do tasks that require mental effort over a long period of time, such as schoolwork or homework. Often loses things necessary for tasks and activities. Example, school materials, pencil, books, tools, wallets, keys, paperwork, eyeglasses, mobile telephones. Is often easily distracted. Is often forgetful in daily activities. So that's part one. You still with me, Eric? We're all good? 
Yep, yeah, I drifted off a little bit towards the end. But <laughs> I don't blame. <laughs> like, that's just my fucking voice. You know, you don't need to have ADHD. No, it's not your you fucking voice. It's ADHD to be fucking. I can't that talk way. that long without forgetting what the topic was mm. either. So, like, like I said, no, it's not yeah. your voice. <laughs> no worries. So that's that's part one. So six or more symptoms for that for children under sixteen. Five or more for adolescents, seventeen, and and. Uh, uh, for adults as well. Symptoms of inattention have been present for at least six months. So that's this isn't just a period of there last week, you know, some of that stuff kicked in. This has to be there for a while for official uh, diagnosis. So that's the inattention side. So that's the one kind we said. And the second kind then, the hyperactivity and impulsivity. So six or more symptoms for children uh, up to the age of 16, five or more for adolescents, 17 and adults. So getting into the hyperactivity side of it, often fidgets with or taps hands or feet or squirms in seat. Often leaves seat in situations with remaining seated is expected. Often runs about or climbs in situations where it's not appropriate. Adolescents or adults may be limited to feeling restless. Often unable to play or take part in leisure activities quietly. Often on the go, acting as if driven by a motor. Often talks excessively. Often blurts out an answer before a question has been completed. Often has trouble waiting their turn. Often interrupts or intrudes on others. Puts into conversations or games, etc. Um, so that's that's the the ones around the hyperactivity side of it. Uh, so that's just a just a quick overview for people. So you can check out that's that's the diagnosis criteria from the DSM. So if you're relating to a lot of them, you you maybe maybe good good advice to to maybe check in with a with a healthcare professional. And he does, and he does. You were able to 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 tune in to go. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Every single one, yeah. like uh, yeah, I mean, it's you know, Actually, as, as I look at the DSM, there's there's a picture of Eric. <laughs> yeah, it, it really just it, well, it was like that. Yeah, mm. I mean, like, it, like I was waiting in line, like I was waiting to get some food, like uh, I wanted, like I we'd ordered it beforehand, and it was taking way too long, and it was clear that the people in line were getting helped, and they weren't making the orders for like the people that had ordered them because well, there's no real pressure there. I I put pressure on them. I went and stood in line for my order that I'd already paid for. Mm. And I made them make it before making anybody else's because there was no other way it was going to happen. So you, so it's like, so and I, I did a video on that. I was like, is that ADHD? And it's like, well, it sounds like bad management, but yeah, like the impatience and the fact that you did something super unconventional that you're not really supposed to do, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of right in there. Yeah. Yeah. Things you're not really supposed to do. Yeah. But. Eric, thank you so much for being such a wonderful guest and thank you for opening up our eyes to ADHD. Where can people find you online? Just under um, your ADHD friend. That's just, um, I'll pop right up if you do that. And I'm also on Instagram as the same name. Okay. I'll, I'll pop that for uh, our YouTube viewers. I'll pop that up on the screen for our listeners. So that's U-R-A-D-H-D-F-R-I-E-N-D. So you're with a U-R. So before we leave the final word with Eric, as you can hear from the interview, it, it was a kind of uh, an archetypal example of, ADHD as he as he jumped and skipped and lost track. I remember having a client before whose adult son had ADHD and it was a very difficult uh, experience for her to deal with. Her son lived with her, but I think she spoke to her doctor or psychiatrist. Said, "Well, imagine what it's like to every day set out wanting to go to Dublin, but ending up in Cork." And I think he could see that with with Eric as he as he kind of jumped in between and lost his train of thought. But a uh, very enjoyable guest, and he will be back on at the end to finish with his words of wisdom. But before we go, folks, you know what to do. Check us out on all the social media at STMH Podcast. You know where it is. It's everywhere, all over the all over the shop. Um, and that's going to mean a lot. Also, what's going to mean a lot is to give a subscribe on the YouTube channel and leave a five star rating. So if you've learned something from this episode, if you've been entertained um, by the interview, please. Please let us know and please give a five star rating 
on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever it may be called these days. That's going to mean a lot and that's going to help us to reach more people. So before I finish, folks, I would again like to express my sincerest gratitude to Ashling for not only being a, a fantastic partner in life, but also a fantastic podcast co-host. It was entirely out of her comfort zone and you can see how she got into it as the episodes went on. Her wit was there and her sexual innuendos and double entendres will, will surely be missed on the podcast. Ordinarily, folks, I leave the last word with our guests and I will be doing that. But I think to commemorate another chapter of the of the podcast closing, I would like to leave you with uh, some of my favourite lines from literature. As many people know, The Great Gatsby is my favourite book and one of my favourite movies. So when I say I'd like to leave with my words of wisdom, they're not actually my words of wisdom. They're actually the words of wisdom from F. Scott Fitzgerald. With the last lines from The Great Gatsby, which are, so we beat on, boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. Be back in 14 days, folks. Same bad time, same bad channel. So look after yourself. And look after each other. One other thing we ask of every guest that comes on, Eric, is we just ask them to maybe share some words of wisdom, some life learnings, something to have taken from this life, a motto or a creed they live by. It doesn't have to be ADHD related, just something life has life has thrown your way that, that you've learned. Is there anything you'd like to you'd like to share with the viewers or the listeners out there? Yeah, be open to trying new things. Like if therapy helped me and my wife a lot, learning each other's programming, learning, okay, he's ADHD, what are the kinds of things that he does that, you know, you cannot do to set him off. What are things that about her that you can know that like make it harder for her to communicate? Also trying things like I, you know, thought acupuncture was like not a real thing at one point, but then it we started doing it and I still do it now. It is it makes a world of difference for my anxiety. And uh it's just the mixing of Western medicine and Eastern medicine has been really great. So just you know, always if something's not working, it doesn't make you weak to seek out help or, you know, and to try to do something different. It means that you're going to become stronger by accepting that. So be more bendable instead of, instead of like thinking you're going to break because you got to try something new or something that's a little bit scary.